Welcome to My Aunt is a Nun, in honor of the Sisters of St. Joseph of Peace with the mission of peace through justice for 135 years. My name is Megan Bell, and my aunt is a Catholic nun. This podcast is my attempt to honor my aunt and the many women in her community. I grew up visiting my aunt, and I remember many summers at the convent where I ran the halls, swam in the lake, and played cards with the sisters. 20 years later, my two young boys run those same halls. The number of sisters is diminishing due to age and health, and every time we visit, the pews are less full, the dining room more empty, and the halls quieter. Having grown up with and around the sisters, they offer more than just prayers. They are steeped in wisdom and impart powerful lessons for the present moment, for whoever you are. These women are all nuns but there are also Zen masters, poets, educators, professionals, and humanitarians. Here are my conversations with each of them. Stories that will enlighten, encourage, and guide you and explore everything from anxiety to intimacy, prayer to politics, and poverty to justice. Sister Angela McCarthy is 85 years old, but she still has a vitality she had at 19 when she left Northern Ireland and sailed on the Queen Mary across the Atlantic to join the Sisters of St. Joseph of Peace. Like most of the sisters in her community, humility is the first thing you notice about her. She's aware of the humble power of those around her. Her presence is both lighthearted and serious. For example, she doesn't have a heart. I'm not so sure I have a heart. You don't have a heart. Don't I, what makes you say that? Well, sometimes we have a swinging brick. Oh. We used to say that at home when somebody would be cruel to someone. We would say, oh, have a heart, not a swinging brick. Sister Angela was a school teacher for over 47 years, from second grade up to college freshman Latin. She loves to learn and read often quoting poetry and prayers. Her life has been filled with song from her mother's early wake-up poem to Shakespearean sonnets, including the special one that taught her about love. Love is not love that alters when it alteration finds. Sister Angela is quick-witted with a lyrical voice that brings smiles and attracts the songbirds. She's a former athlete, played basketball and volleyball, and kamoji, as they call women's hurling, in Ireland. She's strong-willed, sassy, and always pushing the definition of a sister. You know, when the Holy Spirit came, the apostles were up there in the upper room, and Mary was with them for the love of God. And don't tell me that a bunch of men were sitting there without the women around them, waiting on them hand and foot. It once took her 12 years to knit a sweater, but she spent those years creating a tight-knit group of friends. Sister Angela truly lives in the moment and isn't anxious about anything, nor does she have any regrets. If you spend your time regretting, you're not living in the present. 
and uh, you're, make, you're, you're allowing the past to take over. Yeah, I did a lot of things that were pure stupid. But I can, all I can do is, hey, Lord, you know what? You made me, and I'm human. That was what I did with the knowledge or the emotional maturity I had at that time. The youngest of eight, she is both practical and mischievous, a bit of a rule breaker, curious and spirited, and very in tune with the needs and feelings of others. When asked how she hopes to be remembered, I don't think they will remember me, darling. I, <laughs> I don't think so. That. I haven't done anything. I've just taught. That's it. That's about it. I've created a nuisance of myself since I've come here. (laughs) (laughs) I would hope they would say that I brought happiness to people. On a warm day, Sister Angela and I sit in a courtyard at St. Mary's, overlooking Lake Washington. The birds sing along to tales of crossing the Atlantic on the Queen Mary and the experience of joining as a young nun, the beauty of friendship, and the true meaning of love. Angela is a storyteller whose stories are filled with life lessons, happiness, and laughter. We begin with her fondest memories. I used to love my mother's flower garden. She had sweet pea and hollyhock and all sorts of beautiful flowers and roses. She had a rose garden. I remember swinging on the swing underneath the apple tree. We had apples, big orchard, and we had apples. And then going out in the morning and seeing the, the sheep on the hills. Sister Angela's happy childhood, however, was not without loss. When she was very young, she lost a brother to war and two sisters to illness. But the happy memories overtake the mm-hmm. other part mm-hmm. of it, you know. How did you work through that sense of loss? I think we look to our mother and father for that. Um, they, um, it was part of life. I mean, we weren't the only ones who lost people and so you didn't you know like woe is me Mm -hmm. you prayed for them and you um, remembered them but you uh, went on you know what somebody has said (laughs) that um, we all want to go to heaven but none of us want to none of us are in a hurry to get get there there. you know we're not dying to get there right right Our conversation brings up many poetic images, including where her spiritual life began, with her mother. I can remember my mother um, just coming down into the girl's bedroom and opening the window on a cold, cold winter morning, you know, to let fresh air into the room. And she would say, awake, little child, the morning is gay. The air is fresh and cool, and we'd be pulling up the blankets. <laughs> but then it would, it would continue. But pause a while and kneel to pray before you go to merry play, before you go to school. Kneel down and speak the holy word. God loves your simple prayer. A 
above the sweet song of the bird, the bleating of the gentle herd, and flowers that scent the air. Wow. And when the quiet evening comes and dewdrops wet the sod, kneel again to God because He loves you day and night and shields you with from all harm. Right. And this is what we heard. But you know, that's the kind of thing that mothers do without even thinking that they're doing it implanting a little groove in the brain. It will not forget the, the thoughts and the, um, the sayings. Mm -hmm. The prayers, poems, and lessons of her childhood were building blocks for the spirited woman and friend she would become. It was at a young age when Sister Angela was influenced by the local sisters known as the walking nuns because they walked everywhere, including the four miles from town to visit Angela's family every Sunday. Sister Angela was inspired by their humility. They were interested in education. They were interested in the home life of people. They reached out to the sick. They would just come and visit. Mm -hmm. And um, they just, that was, what, that was what they did. They all did everything. And our sisters were teaching sisters but they also did a lot of social work without any hoopla about it, you know. They, right. They were, they were interested in the social life of people. So, at age 19, Sister Angela McCarthy became a Catholic nun and was soon on the Queen Mary sailing to New York City. Tell me what being on the Queen Mary was like. Well, it was okay. Oh, yeah? It was just... Just a boat. It was a boat. <laughs> I wasn't impressed. No. No. Except that I got in trouble. We were coming into harbor on Monday, I guess, and um, <clears throat> it was Saturday night, and we reached a spot which evidently is always kind of stormy, or choppy at least, and the wind had risen, and we were playing. I was homesick, and the, the, we were playing shuffleboard, mm -hmm. except that I couldn't be bothered playing it properly. Mm -hmm. So I swang, swung, swing, swang, swung. <laughs> I swung the, you're only supposed to do it like this, yes. but you push it forward. Shuffle I decided it. I'd make a come on out of it, a, a camogie stick. I twisted it around. And with that, between it and the wind, my veil came off. and went over the boat. And then all of a sudden, it was uh, a call that everybody had to go to their cabin. The outlook must have said, must have figured there was a man overboard or somebody overboard. Because they just saw it the bay on the water. It wasn't somebody overboard. It was my so there's a fish down at the bottom of the Atlantic, wearing a, a veil. <laughs> the trouble was, the young Angela was supposed to be wearing that veil, not the fish. So, the sister in charge had to come up with a solution to provide Angela with a veil for the rest of the voyage. The solution? Her black apron. Now, she was as broad as she was long, and she was as tall as she was broad. And she gave me her apron, her black apron to wear. But I could not cut it. I could not do anything with it. I had to find a way to put this dang thing on my head and wear it, and the weight of the thing. And then the next morning being Sunday, 
we had been uh, invited by some monsignor that she knew who was in first class, and I could care less, but first, second, or third, I think we were in steerage. But anyway, <laughs> we were invited to go up and, you know, look and see what hell I, all I saw was, was pretty much the same as what we had, except fancier. Fancier. But anyway. So there I was with all these razzle-dazzle folk, and I'm walking along with this veil, which hangs from my head practically to my knees. <laughs> when Sister Angela joined religious life in 1953, it looked different than it does today. At the time, a veil was a requirement, but in 1962, Vatican II removed that requirement, and many sisters began to transition into wearing street clothes. There are two opinions on this transition. One side of the argument is that it made the sisters less visible in the community. The other side of the argument is that it made them more accessible. Sister Angela has, of course, a great story about that transition. Sister Catherine Marie and I, we transferred into this ridiculous outfit on the feast of the uh, Transfiguration. We were supposed to walk up in silence. But Kitty Borgia and I always made a thing. We got to the back of the line. We weren't exactly, um, we didn't exactly keep the rule totally. So anyway, Katie Borgia said to me, how do you like the short skirts? Because they were up to mid-calf, mid-calf. or something. They were. And I said, uh, well, at least now the people know we've legs. <laughs> And then the devil was in me because I started, I said, what do you think of so-and-so's legs? Now, Kitty Borgia was from New Jersey, mm-hmm. and she had the New Jersey accent, and she couldn't say an or to suit herself if she tried. So I said, what do you think of nightingale's legs? She says, twunks of twees, bark and all. <laughs> didn't mind. I remember Sister Norbert saying, somebody asked her, a layperson asked Sister Norbert, what do you think of the new mm-hmm, outfit, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. the veil and all that kind of stuff? And she said, oh, she said, if they asked me to wear um, a pajamas, I still would, right. if, it was, if it meant that I could still bring people closer to Christ. Bringing people closer to Christ is what matters most to the sisters. This is a community who embraces the spirit of Christ by serving those in need and working towards social justice. In fact, Sister Angela has a poem about this. Dearest Jesus, uh, help me to spread thy fragrance everywhere I go. Flood my soul with thy spirit and life. Penetrate and possess my whole being so utterly that all my life may only be a radiance of thine. Shine through me and be so in me that every soul I come in contact with may see your presence in my soul. Let them look up and see no longer me, but only Jesus. Then I shall begin to shine as thou shinest. So to shine is to be a light to others. The light, O Jesus, will be all from you. None of it will be mine. It will be you shining on others through me. Let me love you in the way I love you love best, by shining on those around me. 
Sister Angela talks about the love of her family, the love of Jesus, and often recites prayers and poems that speak of love. But it was in the convent kitchen when she first recognized the power of love among friends. Sister Pascal came in, knee-high to a grasshopper. Little Sister Genevieve used to talk about Little Sister Pascal. And Little Sister Pascal used to talk about Little Sister Genevieve. But anyway, Sister uh, Genevieve was suffering from um, cancer. And she, her arm, she was had it in kind of like an embrace kind of cast kind of thing. And yet she was lifting pots and pans up off the stove. And she was working like as if, well, so what? I got cancer, so what? But Sister Pascal comes in and she says, little Sister Genevieve, I'm going to visit Sister who was in hospital and I want to bring her a little gift, but I want to tie it up. Do you have a piece of string? Our sister Genevieve had a, had a drawer with different lengths of string. Sister Genevieve stopped what she was doing. Now, I would have been inclined to say, Sister, yes, I do. It's over in that drawer over there. No, little Sister Genevieve, she stopped what she was doing. And she went and she said, Now, Sister, would this piece do? Would this piece be long enough? I couldn't believe it. And I thought to myself, now there's love. So the lesson she taught you was love in that moment? I, I learned that, that you stop what you're doing and if you really care, if you really see Christ in the other person, then you treat them like as if they are Christ. That's what I saw. She didn't know it and I never said a word to her, but I thought, wow, I am so happy I'm in this kitchen. Many of the older sisters first joined religious life before Vatican II, when they were supposed to hold a vow of silence. Friendships were discouraged, as well as interacting with others. Well, when we first went into the community, we were not supposed to have friends. Everybody was supposed to be the same, which is the most ridiculous Because comment. your main friend and focus was God? That's all you needed? Yeah, that's all we needed. Okay. Uh, yeah. Do you prescribe to that now? Didn't then, I don't know. Okay. <laughs> You've experienced intimacy, I'm sure, and it's not the way in which I might have experienced intimacy. No, I haven't experienced intimacy, but I have experienced true friendship. I have experienced without, and it took years to realize that this person cared. Mm -hmm. I would never have dared even 20 years ago, to say to someone, I love you. Wow, really? To say to another sister, I love you. Oh, wow. It's forever on my lips now. I want people to know right. that they are loved. The first person that I ever said, I love you, to was Sister Marguerite Morrissey. Sister Angela has developed many loving friendships at the Sisters of St. Joseph of Peace, seeing some friends through illness and death, sitting by their side, being a companion until the end. Sister Marguerite suffered from cancer and her illness worsened. Sister Angela was there for her. And I visited with her one morning especially, and, I, and she said, Angela, look, and it looked at the weight of this cup that they gave me to drink my coffee. And I said, Marguerite, would you like me to hold it? 
and that would, you know, I'll, I'll just hold the bottom of it when you want to take a drink. And so I helped her with her coffee. And the first time I ever said to someone, I, I, as I was leaving her, I said, I love you, Marguerite. That was the first time. It was the first time I ever said to another sister, I love you. Mm -hmm. And I did. I admired her. She so stopped that how everything. you sort of define love? I define love. You know, there's a line in Shakespeare, I've always loved, was one of his sonnets, and it's, uh, love is not love that alters when it alteration finds. I love you. If I say today I love you, then tomorrow just because something has happened in your brain and you're not reacting properly. And I cannot say I love you if I do not give you the same warmth of love that I gave you when you were whole and entire. I, that, that, mm -hmm. I learned that as a child in high school. It's one of Shakespeare's sonnets, and it's, I, it always has struck me. Love is not love that alters when it alteration finds. You try to find what you saw to begin with. You know, it is absolutely, mm -hmm. to me, love is sometimes going beyond yourself when you don't want to. It's not necessarily in gifts. It's the gift of love, I think, is the gift of self. Thank you for joining my conversation with Sister Angela McCarthy. Speaking with Angela reminds me as a mother to nurture the spiritual life of my children by planting little grooves in their brains. As I move through my community, Angela's words challenge me to allow the other person to be who they are, not who I want them to be. Love is all around you. You might even find it in the kitchen. And when you do, let people know you love them with a heart, not a swinging brick. And always be the friend to hold the coffee mug when it is heavy. In springtime when the lilacs blow, I'm not obliged to shovel snow. In summer, no one bothers me to feed the fire or skate or ski. In autumn, I no longer need to waste the morning pulling weeds. And winter brings no dewy dawn when I must rise and mow the lawn. So I'm content the whole year through with what I do not have to do. <laughs> this podcast was produced by Megan Bell and Carrie Watson. Sound design, musical curation, and additional editing by Charlie Spears. Theme music by William Stover. <laughs>